Come, Holy Spirit, come by the most powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, your well-beloved spouse. We sang today in our responsorial song, Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. That the words of the Lord, that the Word of God incarnate, our Lord Jesus Christ, gives us life, gives us His Holy Spirit. That the words of the Lord are spirit and life. And then we went on in our psalm to praise the law of the Lord. We heard sung the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The decree of the Lord is trustworthy, giving wisdom to the simple. That psalm and so many of the psalms praise the law of the Lord, the decrees of the Lord that are true and good. You see, my friends, we are all children of our Heavenly Father. And in His household, like any household, there are rules. There are expectations. There are laws. But the law of the Lord, the law of our Father in heaven, is good and true. And it's there to teach us, to guide us, to lead us to holiness and to salvation. Because God is good and He loves us. But I think we all know, we all experience that sometimes the laws of the Lord also challenge us. Because they require something of us. They require self-denial. They require conversion, humility, obedience. And these things can be difficult for us. And I think we see this played out in that first reading from Nehemiah where the Jewish people had just returned from Babylon where they were in exile for 70 years. They had just returned to Jerusalem and they discovered the book of the law that had been given through Moses. And the priest Ezra reads to them, many of them hearing this, most of them hearing this, for the very first time. And at first they're sad. They're weeping. I think maybe for a couple reasons. One, they realized that they had not been keeping the law of the Lord. That they hadn't known what God had expected of them, how they were called by the Lord to live. And they were, in a sense, convicted by that. But also maybe they realized that the law of the Lord was requiring of them conversion and holiness of life and obedience. And part of us as human beings initially finds that difficult and sometimes even burdensome. And we struggle with walking in the ways of the Lord. But... Ezra says to them, do not weep, do not be sad. Today is a day of rejoicing that you now know the law of the Lord because the law of the Lord is perfect and it refreshes the soul. It teaches us wisdom and it leads us to true freedom. That's what Jesus told us in our gospel today. He reads this prophecy from Isaiah and he says that it is fulfilled in him that he has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. What are we captive to? What are we oppressed by? What are we blind to? We're captives to sin, 
We're oftentimes blind to the truth, and Jesus came to set us free. He told us in the Gospel of John that whoever sins becomes a slave to sin, but that the truth, the truth of God, the truth of His law, brings freedom because the words of the Lord are spirit and life. So I want to talk today about one of the laws of the Lord that can challenge us, that requires something of us, but that is essential if we are to truly follow His law and His commandments, to truly be disciples of the Lord, because it pertains to the heart of our Catholic faith. And it has to do with one of the laws regarding the Holy Eucharist and how we're called to participate in the Eucharist and how we're called to receive our Lord in Holy Communion. And I want to do that by looking at a passage from St. Paul, uh, by looking at a few things from the Catechism and the Code of Canon Law, the official teachings and law of the Church. So the Catechism teaches us in the context of receiving Holy Communion, it says this, to respond to this invitation of our Lord to approach His holy altar, to receive His body and blood, we must prepare ourselves for so great and so holy a moment. St. Paul urges us to examine our conscience. And then the Catechism quotes a passage from St. Paul that is immediately before our second reading. We just started reading from 1 Corinthians 12. But the end of 1 Corinthians 11 is all about the Eucharist and about communion. And unfortunately, there's a passage that was taken out of the lectionary. It's no longer read at Mass. And so you've never heard it proclaimed, at least in the last 50 years. This is why it's so important that we read the Bible on our own. Because you don't hear the whole Bible just by coming to Mass. That's not possible. The Bible's a very big book. We need to be reading it on our own so that we know all the words of the Lord, not just some of them. And so the Catechism quotes St. Paul, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself." End quote. The Catechism goes on to tell us what that means. It says, anyone conscious of a grave sin must receive the sacrament of reconciliation before coming to communion. We must examine ourselves and not profane the body of the Lord by receiving it unworthily. And later on, the Catechism reiterates this and says, anyone who is aware of having committed a mortal sin must not receive Holy Communion, even if he experiences deep contrition without having first received sacramental absolution, unless he has a grave reason for receiving Holy Communion and there is no possibility of going to confession. Now, as a quick aside, that last clause doesn't apply to us 
Because here in America, there is always an opportunity to go to confession. That's written for the whole world. And there are certain parts of the world where there aren't priests, where people maybe see a priest once or twice a year, and they don't have the opportunity to confess. But we do. So why is this so important? Because Jesus died for our sins. He shed his blood so that we could be reconciled with him. But that reconciliation requires repentance. And when we sin gravely, we break our relationship with the Lord. And we must be reconciled with him before we can have communion with him in the Eucharist. Because if we don't do so, then we profane the holiness of his body and blood. We commit sacrilege. And so as St. Paul tells us, we must examine ourselves. And if we're aware of grave sins, we must confess them. And as I've mentioned to you before, these grave sins could include intentionally or through one's own fault, missing Mass on Sunday or a holy day of obligation, receiving communion unworthily, intentional hatred of our neighbor, sexual activity before or outside of marriage with oneself or another, watching impure and explicit content on the internet or one's phone or or any other device, being unfaithful to one's wedding vows, which would include using contraception. It could include abusing alcohol, getting drunk or drugs, rejecting a definitive teaching of Christ and his church, knowingly omitting a grave sin in confession, or any other way in which we seriously transgress one of God's commandments. We need to know the law of the Lord because it is perfect and it is good, and we need to follow it. And all of us in our weaknesses and our humanity at times fail. We stumble and fall. But the Lord is waiting for us always with his mercy in confession. And when in doubt, if you're not quite sure, err on the side of going to confession. Don't roll the dice. Don't gamble with a potentially unworthy communion. Come to confession. I can give you counsel, and you can have a clear conscience. The church, in fact, takes this so seriously, the necessity, the importance of receiving a worthy communion, that it actually says there are some situations in which myself or another as the minister of communion has the obligation to deny someone Holy Communion. This is what the Code of Canon Law says, and we need to know this. Those who have been excommunicated or interdicted after the imposition or declaration of the penalty, those are penalties that the bishop would impose upon somebody, and others obstinately persevering in manifest grave sin are not to be admitted to Holy Communion are not to be admitted. If you want an example of that, you don't have to look any further than the so-called Catholic governor of New York who just passed into law a bill legalizing abortion up to birth. And he celebrated that. Well, that very act excludes him from sacramental communion in the church. But that includes anyone who publicly and obstinately refuses to live by the teachings of Christ and his church. The Eucharist is the heart of our faith and we must show it the reverence 
and the respect that it deserves so that we can receive the healing and grace that our Lord desires to give us. And in closing, I just want to mention a couple obstacles that sometimes prevent us from following this teaching. Sometimes we have a fear of repentance. We get comfortable with our sins. We become attached to them, and it's hard to break free. But Christ came to set us free from captivity to sin, and we're called to put our trust in His love and His mercy for us. Sin brings nothing but misery and heartache, but the law of the Lord brings joy and peace. But also sometimes there's a fear of judgment. Well, what are other people going to think if I don't go up to receive communion? My friends, we're not called to judge one another. Anybody judging somebody rashly for not receiving communion becomes guilty of sin themselves. Possibly a worse sin in the eyes of the Lord. Rather, we should have respect for those people, as I do, sincerely. Because they're showing respect for the Eucharist. And that's something worthy of our respect, not our judgment. We don't judge one another. We support and pray for one another. And as a quick aside, never ask someone why they didn't receive communion. That's between them and God. Don't be nosy. Don't pry. And that includes parents. If your kids don't receive communion, don't pry about that. Help them go to confession if they need to. But don't demand that they tell you what happened. It's between them and God. But also sometimes if we haven't kept the communion fast, fasting from food and drink one hour before communion, we should not receive communion. Because we need to respect and prepare in the way that the Lord asks of us. And so we need to show that uh, respect and reverence and remain in the pew or come up for a blessing. The Eucharist is the greatest gift that we have, but it brings with it a responsibility to receive it worthily and well, to receive it in a way that will sanctify us and heal us and not bring further judgment upon us. These are the words of the Lord. This is the law of the Lord, and it is spirit and life, and it brings wisdom and holiness to those who follow it. So let us give thanks to God for this incredible gift of the Holy Eucharist, but receive it in the way that he has asked us to.